When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, if you haven't already. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, how are we doing on this Wednesday? Nick just tried to um, convince me to root for his KU Jayhawks. Well, it's not going to happen. They're not playing Missouri champions, classic big college basketball game. And I thought if there's one thing that could unite us, despite our differing allegiance, it would be the fact that nobody roots for Duke, apparently, except for you. By when the way, when it's KU, yes, the the three of us look like three state, three people in different stages of life duress. Kayla looks like she's got her life together, got a new job. It's all put together. Really? It looks like wow. he's pretty comfortable. And then I look like I just got divorced. It's just <laughs> like three stages of sadness slowly going down. Like you're, you look great. Then Nick looks better and I look terrible. I darker in my room. I Nick thought just, we all looked pretty good. So this is new to me. Well, I'm glad <laughs> it looks like I have my life together. That's certainly deceiving. All right. Um, <laughs> you of us do. Let's dive into things, shall we? Um, first things first, guys. Chris Jones is a legit defensive player of the year candidate. He currently has 17 total sacks, 11 solo, six assists, and seven sacks so far this season. Did I say sacks or tackles? You said sacks, but it's fine. We know you meant tackles. Seven sacks. I don't feel like he's getting the respect he deserves from everyone else, but we're going to give him the respect he deserves. Here's the problem. Screw the NFL for trying to force us into this box where we're not even allowed to say that somebody deserves to and should be a defensive player of the year candidate when he's sitting at 40 to one because it's bullshit. He's sitting at 40 to one. It doesn't make any sense. He has seven sacks. He would have had eight if it weren't for a nonsensical penalty that they took away from him and another forced fumble. Eight sacks is the exact same number that current front runner Micah Parsons has. Chris Jones is having to do it more on his own than Micah Parsons is because he plays on a worse defense than the Cowboys. So he's having to do more to hold it together than Micah Parsons is. And he's on the best team in the NFL, the best team in the AFC, at least one of the best teams in the NFL. Why isn't he or why shouldn't he? He has been as dominant as any single defensive player in the entire NFL. And it's somehow this hang up on if you're an interior defensive lineman, we're not going to give you the credit unless your name is Aaron Donald. And that's the level Chris Jones is playing at. He's playing at an Aaron Donald level. And a quick correction here, even though the official numbers won't show it, Chris Jones actually has eight sacks. Okay. That's how we're going to talk about him from now on. Yeah. They don't give him credit <laughs> yes. for the strip sack of Derek Carr in the Raiders game. So Rude. not only should he have eight sacks, he should also have three forced fumbles on the year. I think what's interesting about Jones is that even though We've seen a lot of his production come from when they move him to the outside and play him on the edge. It's difficult to get the crazy sack numbers from the interior. You just don't see it very often. That's where the guys who lead the league in sacks every year are usually defensive ends or outside linebackers. The fact that he's pacing towards being one of the top sack guys while playing defensive tackle, to me, is all that more impressive. 
if you're going to get love for defensive player of the year from that position, though, you just look at what Aaron Donald's done in the three times that he's won that award. It's not as though he led the league in sacks every single time. So I think one year it was 11 and a half sacks. One year it was 13 and a half. It, one time it was 20, but you know. Yeah, okay. We're going to, yeah, we're just going to dismiss that. That doesn't help our argument. So let's <laughs> okay. ignore that one for a minute. Yeah, we, we, we dismiss the, the facts that get in the way of our points. You have to have the other stuff too the forced fumbles, which he has, or, you know, the insane number, number of tackles for loss, get a defensive touchdown or two. I don't know if that stuff's going to happen, but. Just watch the games and you feel the presence that he makes on the field. And that, in large part, is why Aaron Donald won a lot of those games. It's because every single time you would watch a Rams game, you would see the amount of attention that the other team had to pay him. And yet still, he found ways to make his impact felt and make big game-changing plays week after week. You would think because they're on national television all the time, Kayla, more people would say it the way they talk about it with Aaron Donald. I think what happened with him was, and he's great. He is one of the single greatest defensive players of all time. I understand it. But like his story became so folklory that it was easy for him to win after he got the first one. And in Chris Jones's case, it's actually kind of been the opposite from Chiefs fans in particular over the last couple of years. I frequently last year had to defend the fact to be like, ah, Chris Jones didn't show up. I'm like, what are you talking about? Are we even watching the same football game? But just because he only had like eight sacks at the end of the season, people are like, well, I don't know if he's the same player. I'm like, please watch the game and see what he's doing. He, he does this and he's doing it at an even higher level this year. It's not just like how last year, this is as good as I've seen Chris Jones look. This is as good as Chris Jones was in that 15 and a half season this is, or 15 and a half sack season through this many games, through nine games in his 15 and a half sack season. He didn't have He didn't have seven sacks at that point either. He was at six. So like he can go through a run like that. And that's where I still think it's plausible. I know we're going to say it's a long shot or defensive tackles are never going to win it. Or we're going to have to do the thing we did with Creed Humphrey, which is advocate and push and yell at people until they're willing to give a center a rookie of the year vote because that doesn't happen. But we shouldn't be limiting defensive player of the year to just the people who get sacks or just the people who get interceptions because there's so much more in between that. It's so rarely even a linebacker. Why not include an interior defensive lineman? That's what's so weird, because when I was doing my quick research before we went live, uh, every article about defensive player of the year, it's Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. Do you think we're not getting that attention? He's not getting that attention because our offense is just so much louder. Well, or the defense isn't good. Like the defense isn't a top five unit in the NFL, maybe. Which those two things go hand in hand. Right. It's the fact that the Chiefs, we we look at the Chiefs and the way that they win games is all because of Patrick Mahomes and the offense. Meanwhile, the defense has sort of just been meh. What's so interesting about that is I think we talked about this a little bit on the Sunday episode. Go back to the end of the Chargers game. Go back to the end of the Niners game, the end of the Titans game, the end of the Jaguars game. What happened? Chiefs built leads based off the offense, but it was pass rush. And namely, Chris Jones was in on almost all of those games, making plays, sacking the quarterback to put the game on ice. So I get it. They're not winning because of the defense, but the defense is closing the door on would-be comeback opportunities. And if you just told me that was going to be something that you could count on week after week the rest of the season, that, yeah, the defense is going to give up some yards. They're not going to be wreaking havoc on quarterbacks and offensive lines for four quarters but they're going to make big plays in the most critical junctures of games. You take that every single day. 
And when you think about how you build MVP resumes or defensive player of the year resumes, stats are very important, but the moments also are as well. The moments where you feel like a game could go either way and then somebody steps up and makes a game-changing play. Like Chris Jones has done that a handful of times this year. So if you're looking for the numbers, he's right up there with the best. If you're looking for the game-changing plays, he's got those as well. I feel like his resume is just starting to get noticed. It wouldn't shock me at all if we fast-forwarded a month and all of a sudden maybe he is being mentioned with the Micah Parsons and Miles Garretts of the world. By the, right. way, by the way, I know we canceled Pro Football Focus after they gave Patrick Mahomes bad grade. <laughs> Uh, but they do have Chris Jones as the highest rated defensive player in football oh, so far this okay. year. So we are uncanceling pro football focus, at least for this episode. And they got back. Mahomes up to the second. So like pretty close. There we go. Back on, right back on PFF. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on. Uh, guys, Nate Taylor was on your show earlier this week, and he alluded to the fact that Kadarius Tony has basically attached himself to Mahomes' hip since getting to KC. I love this. This is a, such a cute little story. Uh, <laughs> I, I want this and someone coming in who's hungry to make a big impact on this offense. Uh, he said that he's bought in and that's what you want to see, right? Should we all do our best Kadarius Tony smile before <laughs> you know we, we get there? You just got to look like crazy, like <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Let's screen grab that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, because the story was interesting because it's it was probably one of the more glaring things of talk about bought in. Because if you watched him for just even that one game in Kansas City, you're like, you didn't want to try to make that work? Your wide receivers suck, New York. You, you didn't want to even just like see if he'd get on a field, run some routes, see what happens. And Cody, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but don't you think everything that was sort of being whispered about with Tony and his time in New York makes this story Yes. All that more impressive because yeah, that was the one thing I was kind of like, is this guy going to be bought in? Is he going to be committed to it? And the early returns are, yeah, he's doing yeah. everything you're supposed to do. Some of it was like, oh, he's talented, but he doesn't want to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And then Nate Taylor said he got off the plane and immediately was attached to his hip. As much as he said, Travis Kelsey is. So the second Kadarius Tony got in town, he's done nothing but stand next to Mahomes in meetings stand next to Mahomes on the practice field, wait for chances to catch balls outside of that practice during the bye week so that they could get used to it. Like literally everything. He's not going to leave his side until he figures it out. And now I think even the chiefs were probably caught a little off guard by how ready he was, how early because he's picking it up quick. And it turns out he might be also a quick study in addition to all of this. And you're like, okay, so super athlete, quick study work, super hard. You're like, what were the Giants doing with this guy? Because it goes back to that. But it is, it is, Nick, you're right. It's way more encouraging than just the, the physical stuff. Because there's a lot of talented NFL players, tons, who don't make it or don't have big showings for their team and all that stuff. But if he's going to actually do all this extra side stuff, then I, I, you know, there's a real chance this is going to really work in Kansas City. I remember the day that the Chiefs traded for Tony. I think it was like Bart Scott who went on whatever show he's on or whatever network he's on and said that he's that Kadarius Tony was already the best receiver on the team. And I was like, okay, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I still don't think it's accurate, but from awesome, a, sir. from a talent point of view, how many guys would you put ahead again in the, in that wide receiver uh, room? None. Juju? Maybe. Juju. Yeah, I would, yeah, probably but that's... Put, I would probably put Juju ahead of him. Okay. Juju's the better wide receiver, sure, but he's out. not, he's not, uh, he's not, 
Um, I don't think he's a better athlete. Like, what's your ceiling, right? Like, that's kind of what we're talking about. We're yeah. not talking about who is a better player right now. Then probably Juju, talent, sure. In terms of talent, what's your ceiling is? What can you be at your best? I guess it's just tough to tell with Tony because we've seen so little of him. And in the limited amount of time we did see him in New York, he was playing with Daniel Jones, who uh, they haven't exactly been winning games behind his arm this year. So it's it's difficult to tell. But when you think about the idea that, okay, this guy was a first round pick a year ago. And the reason why the Giants drafted him, even though they kind of got tore up for drafting him so early, it was because they said, well, no, we we knew there were a lot of teams right behind us. And the Chiefs may have been one of those who are interested in trading up and getting. So if you combine that talent, he's still young as hell and he's very raw. But if you combine that talent with now, oh, and he's willing to put in the work, it doesn't just get you excited for the the long-term potential, which I think we all sort of assumed that's what this trade was about, was you get a guy who is cheap, he is young, you're going to get him for three plus seasons, that's all great. Now I feel like I have to sort of rethink what his potential is in the short term this season, because if he's well, picking things up like that, and he's staying attached to number 15. He's only going to get better and more comfortable and earn more trust from the coaches and the quarterback. Yeah, I know we weren't hosting this podcast um, together last year, but I had said, and I still think it's true. Whoever Odell, if Odell was between the Rams and the chiefs, he chose the one that would have won the Super Bowl. As in, if he had chosen the chiefs, they would have won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think I'd advocated for them taking another shot at Odell. But Nick, if you know, I I don't think I ever thought Kadarius Tony's going to matter this year. And then I saw a game, and I'm like, uh, oh, okay, well maybe he will. And if that's the case, like if in the middle of the season they added an impactful wide receiver, that's the same thing I was asking for last year out of this team. Even if he's not the feature piece, which he won't be behind Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster, if he's just an impactful wide receiver. Guarding the Chiefs in a playoff game that could include Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, who's on pace for 900 yards, Kadarius, Tony, Noah Gray, who all of a sudden is coming on. It doesn't matter. I could list to you seven, eight guys they actually use in this offense pretty regularly. And if Tony's another one of those, it becomes almost impossible to guard them. I'm almost to the point now where I don't really want to talk about like one, two, three, four in this wide receiver room. Like, where is Tony going to? Because you just said it, it doesn't really matter. Like there will still be another game where McCole Hardman is going to be featured, where they'll have a package for Kadarius Tony, where MVS is going to have his days. The idea that all of a sudden there's going to be, okay, this guy's number one, this guy's number two. The only thing I feel comfortable about is when healthy, Juju's your number one, and obviously Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. Aside from that, one day it may be Noah Gray's day, the next day it may be McCole, the next day it's going to be Kadarius. And that I think is kind of the the idea. When you lose Tyreek, who you knew you were going to throw to 12, 15 times a game, you replace him with a bunch of guys who collectively can all be counted on, but none that you're going to rely upon to do that, to throw it to him and force feed him for four quarters. The idea is that every single week, I don't want the defense to know what we're doing. I don't want that defensive coordinator to be able to key in on any one thing and slow us down significantly. And that I think is very exciting, especially with seeing what could Kadarius Tony did on Sunday. As it relates to Tony's enthusiasm, it reminds me of Little Giants when Spike goes to the Cowboys from the Giants. No pun intended. Yeah. Even though that later backfired, it's not going to backfire here with the Chiefs. Uh, but guys, most important question I think we're missing is: Has he officially been invited to the Call of Duty group? 
Mm. Well, I mean, you would think so, right? They want to work on uh it seems like he's already kind of got that like sixth sense a little bit on guessing what Mahomes is gonna do. So I mean, I, I think I have to say yes. you can only have four on a team though. Who's in it right now? Kelsey, MBS, Mahomes, and Juju. Hardman? No, Juju's, Juju's hurt. And so it, right now, uh, no bright screens after concussions. Oh, man, Juju. So, so oh, right. Tony oh, okay. could do it for a little bit, you know. It sounds like Juju and Juju and MVS were sort of the guys who were leading the way for that team. So those are valuable pieces to their cod squad. For the Call of Duty team. Yeah. 